Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode. For any new listeners, I'm Bavia. And I'm Kira. Today it is the 8th of March, International Women's Day. So we're actually going to split this episode into two parts. In the first part, Bavia and I will be discussing some of the most important discoveries made by women. And in the second part, we will be interviewing two doctors where we find out more about gender biases they have experienced in their fields. I'm sure many of you will know the really famous women that reformed medicine, like Marie Curie and Florence Nightingale. But we want to talk about the women that are not known, the the unheard ones. And before we did this podcast, we honestly didn't know that much either. And that's why we've chosen to talk about this today, because it is so important that we acknowledge the role of women in medicine and um, and we we educate ourselves. Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like I also didn't know much about women in medicine. So I'm definitely glad that we're doing this episode so we can all learn um, a little bit more about women in medicine. So before we start, we're going to give you a quick overview about what women's roles were before this time. So obviously, women did have a role in medicine and the medical profession. And we're going to discuss what that was. So women weren't actually allowed to go to medical school until the 19th century. So historically, there had been a gender divide. Those who could afford healthcare were treated by male practitioners and those who couldn't went to female healers. They were often called witches. And a lot of the remedies they, they these healers used were passed down from generation to generation. And these remedies actually opposed the church because they represented a threat to the religious messages they preached and to the formal medical licenses that were issued by the church to university trained doctors. So as a result, the more successful the healers were, the more the church feared that people would stray away from religion and become less reliant on prayer. The church was therefore heavily involved in discrediting the role of women as healers, and they also encouraged witch hunting throughout Europe. During this period of witch hunting, midwifery was the only clinical profession which women were allowed to practice partly because of its lower status, and that didn't attract male medical practitioners. All right, so that was just um, a really brief overview of women's status and their role um, in medicine. But now we're going to talk about different women that were, that did make significant contributions and are not that well known either. So I'm going to talk about a woman called Sophia Louisa Jex Blake. So she was born in January 1840, and she was quite well off for the time. So she was a daughter of a retired lawyer, Thomas Jex Blake, and her brother was future dean of of Wells Cathedral. She attended various private schools, and in 1858, she enrolled at Queen's College London, despite her parents' objections. And while she was there, she met a friend who was applying to the University of Edinburgh Medical School. And she fully supported her friend in this. But while while she's going through her application, this is kind of how she saw the struggles of women and their application to medical school. This is kind of where she learned about all of this. And so after, after her studies, she travelled to America and then returned to England. And that was when she decided to, to become a doctor. 
She found that no English medical schools would accept women students, but she persuaded Edinburgh Uni Med School to accept her in 1869. So her and six other women, um, they joined that year and they were the first group of undergraduate female students at a British university. And that's kind of a major turning point, I feel like, especially for Britain, because obviously this is British universities. Um, yeah, so that's why I feel like it's quite a major turning point in British history, especially medicine. Yeah, and I think I think you mentioned that she was quite well off, and she went to a private school. So, so do you think that that might have affected her persuading Edinburgh Uni to accept her as an applicant? Do you do you think that her going to private school gave her an advantage? I mean, thinking about it now. I think it might have given her a small advantage because if she was kind of um what's the word um not as well off yeah if she if she was not yeah. as well off she she I feel like she would have been um overlooked more overlooked and I think that this might have made a slight impression on the university itself and her application but I feel like the bigger bigger struggle for her would be her being female and that would be one of the big things that the university would be looking at when she applied. And yeah, that would be a major hurdle for her to overcome. So now I'm going to talk about a woman called Rebecca Lee Crumpler, who was the first black woman to become a physician in the US. She was also the first black woman to publish publish a medical book. So she graduated at a time where very few African-Americans were allowed to attend medical college. And when she did go, she was subject to intense racism and sexism. And during this time, men believed that a man's brain was 10% bigger than a woman's brain. And at at this time, um, a woman's job was said to be to act submissively, submissively and to just be beautiful. And that was kind of her only job, not to get, like, aspire to be a doctor or be something maybe that they wanted to be and as a result of this in the workplace many female physicians did not respect Crumpler and they wouldn't listen to her medical opinions. So by attending medical college she challenged prejudiced views of her colleagues and and prevent and that prevented black people from pursuing a career in medicine so I feel like her actually going her you know showing the rest of her the black community that that she that you can do this that you can go to medical medical school I feel like it was quite a big you know turning point like I feel all of these examples that we're showing they're big turning points in in history um do you think that people around the world or um women still face still face discrimination and sexism and racism in even in prestigious careers such as medicine? I mean, I hate to say it, but I think they do. And there are so many movements such as the BLM movement, which is kind of like something that has become prevalent um, in like the media and kind of is on on social media and and the media in general. Um, um, So I I do think it is prevalent now. And I think that it's kind of an aim that we need to we need to reach which is to have equal kind of what's the word like equal views I guess equal views for everyone and I feel like this is something that will definitely take time and 
but it's definitely something we need to strive for and we need to we need to reach we need to reach as soon as we can. yeah and this is kind of a mean question <laughs> but how do you think we can start to overcome these societal divides that is because a lot of these a big question sorry yeah because a lot of these views are rooted in racism and it's it's literally rooted in history so how do you think we can change something that was that that took place ages ago but still affects people today how do you think we can overcome yeah I think it's a huge question but I think awareness is key I really do think awareness is key and I think that the more learning we do and the more knowledge we have about this subject I think will will kind of teach us in itself how how we need to like go forward in the future um yeah so I think awareness is one thing and then I think kind of challenging other people's views I think discussing and challenging is such a a good and important part of everything um especially on things that are kind of slightly controversial maybe um discussing your opinions it does give more views to other people and then they can kind of think about that and think about their own views and views can adapt and change and that's kind of the beauty of it I guess and yeah I think in doing so hopefully we kind of aim towards a better future yeah I agree um and now for the last for the last person that we're going to talk about today um we are going to discuss Rosalind Franklin now I'm sure many of you will have heard of Watson and Crick at GCSE and their work surrounding the structure of DNA but it was actually Rosalind Franklin that was responsible for the discovery of the double helix and unsurprisingly her male colleagues got credit for her work. So while she was working and researching um, on DNA she actually had an argument with her then partner Maurice Wilkins and their conflicting views actually led them to work separately. Now this was ideal for Franklin because she liked working alone but Wilkins on the other hand wasn't really happy so he went looking for other people to work with and he discovered Watson and Crick building a model he discovered Watson and Crick building a model of DNA. Now, unfortunately, Watson and Crick managed to get a hold of some of Franklin's unpublished data, which is a photograph showing DNA as a double helix. Um, And you can actually find this photograph online if you search up photograph 51. Um, But using this photograph, Watson and Crick created their famous DNA model. And they were awarded Nobel Prizes for their work. But Unfortunately, Franklin didn't get a prize because she had died by that time and deceased people can't get awarded Nobel Prizes. However, there is um, quite a bit of speculation that if she was alive at the time of at, at the time that the Nobel Prize was awarded, she would have also been credited and awarded a prize. Yeah, so I've got I've got a question. So if if um, Rosalind Franklin did end up getting a the Nobel Prize. How do you think that would have impacted how, because we get taught it at GCSE Biology, so how do you think that would have impacted how it's taught? Do you reckon it would be kind of slightly different to it is now? Um, I think it would definitely have had an impact. I think it would not be Watson and Crick's model of DNA. It would have been something like Franklin's model of DNA or Franklin, Watson and Crick's. Um, But I think, I think her, I think the important thing is that like in a in our curriculum or in our, in our um, syllabus or in our spec even, um, 
she she would have been mentioned and I think that is the difference like you know you could you could still do all the research and all the work and it doesn't matter if your name is not on it you know all that research goes goes to waste if your name is not on that thing that you found or that thing that you discovered and that kind of reminds me um I was I was in a psychology lesson and um my teacher she she was saying how when psychologists um and researchers do their work you they want their name on it and if you for any of you that do psychology I'm sure some of you will know that you, you usually have the name of the researcher and then et al and the al means everyone else that was involved in in the research so the only important part of that is just the researcher's name so I think a name holds so much power in that way so I do think that yes it would have had a difference on the way that um, this topic is taught to um, children who do GCSEs. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's even new to me because I don't do psychology. So I find that really interesting. I guess it's kind of similar with scientific research as well. Um, I know about like citing citing people's um, like articles when you use them. And that's kind of also about like the name you use, making sure you kind of say who who your information is from and I guess yeah what you're saying about a name being powerful yeah true Mm -hmm. yeah so we hope you guys enjoyed it this is all we're going to talk about in this episode this will be the first part so in the second part we will be talking to doctors about kind of their experiences with this and It will kind of be linked to what we've been talking about today. So if you enjoyed this, please stay and listen to our second episode. And yeah, I think that'll be all for today. Yeah, cool. Okay, bye. bye.